Thursday morning, I woke up, and uh, God really began to deal with me on some things, things about me and the things about the church. And uh, so just get your good hope. That's all I can tell you. That's what I had to do. Uh, you know, he said to the church of Ephesus, all the good things that they were doing. And they were a mighty and wonderful church. But he said, but yet lackest thou one thing. And sometimes that one thing hinders us from accomplishing every single thing that God wants us to accomplish. And that one thing was love. Sometimes we can get so busy and get caught up in so many things, and next thing you know, we've grouped off. Hello? And we kind of love this group or our group more than we do the other group, and the devil's got a lot of ways to work. But today I want to talk to you about love, and I'm talking to you from God himself. can't tell you how much I prayed over all this and I can't tell you how much I've cried because God called this church to do something to be a church that will be able to have people ready for his return and sometimes one thing hinders it And you're getting the easy part. I got the hard part. I got mine straight from God. I've done a lot of praying. I've been, I come in, I think it was Thursday, and I think I told Don, I said, boy, I'll tell you, I know what I'm going to preach on Sunday. God's already been working on me. I didn't tell her all the details, but, but there's nothing, nothing, nothing more important in our lives than loving God, loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, loving our neighbor, and yes, our enemies. All comes together. Now, how do I know that I don't love my enemies? Because I talk about them all the time and I feel bad. Amen. About them, not talking about them. How do we know when we don't love our brothers and sisters well and I'm just preaching to you as God gives it to me today because we don't treat everybody the same we begin to reach a place where we feel like certain people are more important than others and that's not true every person in this building today is important you might not like some of the things they do, and this may come a surprise to you. They may not like some of the things you do. There wasn't but one perfect man, and they crucified him. I'm not perfect by any means. Just ask my wife. She'll tell you. But I'll tell you today, God's wanting us to relook at ourselves 
examine ourselves about the love factor. Sometimes one of the most dreaded sermons to preach on and for the congregation to hear is sermons on sanctification and living holy and staying away from the world. But it's not. In fact, the devil had rather me be preaching on that today than preaching on love. We can debate the theology of holiness. We can debate the theology of sanctification. There's a lot of things we can debate, but there's one thing we cannot debate, and that's the love of God. It's so plain that there's nothing that we can do or say that could change it or make it any different, even though sometimes we may like to make it different. There's no debating about God's love for us and for him and for each other. A lot of things in our life may be options, but I want to tell you, love is not an option. I'll probably get ahead of myself and repeat myself, but that's all. But I want to tell you something. I believe in Pentecost with all my heart. When God filled me with the Holy Spirit, I, during this time, he brought this to my remembrance. I was down at the altar four hours, over four hours. It seems like 20 minutes. I can tell you a lot of experiences in my life, and I love all of them. And they're great, and they're powerful. But without love, we're nothing. We're absolutely nothing. If we don't learn to love, all the rest doesn't matter. You can go to heaven without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Many people do. It's a necessity, yes, for us here on this earth to do the work that God wants us to do. But I know many people that have gone to heaven that didn't have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I can assure you nobody, no one goes to heaven without the love of God being shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Ghost. We may omit a lot of things, but as God told me, we cannot omit love. We have to love one another. Now for my text, Mark 12, 28 through 34. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, he perceived that he had answered them well, talking about Jesus. And he asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered, the first of all commandments is hear, O Israel, hear, O evangelist. The Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like unto it. Namely this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There's none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all thy heart, 
and with all thy understanding and with all the, thy soul and with all the strength to love him, his neighbor as himself, and to love him as his neighbor as himself is more than all the whole burnt offerings of sacrifice. And Jesus saw that he answered him discreetly and said unto him, Thy are not far from the kingdom of God. And no man after that does ask him any questions. You know what their religion was about? Burnt offerings. Circumcision. Things. Things that the Bible said for them to do. Amen? There's nothing wrong with them following the law and doing what the law said for them to do. But they omitted the matter, the greater part of the law. They even paid tithes on things that God didn't require them to pay tithes on, such as men and rue. And in other words, it was just stuff that they put in to make the food taste better. They paid tithes on that. But he said, but you have omitted the greater part of the law. Can you tell me what that is? Say it. Come on, say it again. Love. I don't care how Pentecostal we may get. I don't care how many gifts may be demonstrated. I don't care how many people may be healed. I'm telling you, nothing matters but the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And let me add this to you. There would be more people healed and more people filled if we prayed with the love of God in our hearts for those people. Just saying words don't count with God. You go pray for somebody and you lay your hands on them and you pray for them and you don't care nothing about them. You just sacrificing a little time. Doing what sometimes we think people see us do. You're going to have to forgive me. You can be mad at me when you get through it. I don't care. But I'm telling you what God said. If you get mad at me, you're just going to be mad at God. This scribe didn't come to Jesus to ask him some trick questions like most of them did. He came because he wanted to confirm his belief about the first commandment. And he knew that Jesus would tell us the truth. Isn't that wonderful to know when Jesus speaks to us? When hearing Jesus' answer, the scribe said to Jesus, You have answered well because there is but one God. And to love him with all of our being and our neighbor as ourself is more than all the shouting you may do in a service. It's more than all the tongues and interpretations you may hear. And I'm not putting these things down and you know that I'm not. What I'm doing today is doing what God said to me. I'm emphasizing the most important thing in a church is the love of God. Us loving God and us loving one another. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Love doesn't talk about somebody. 
When you talk about people's problems, you be, should be talking to, about it in the positive, that this is what we need to pray for in their lives. Not that we're talking, and you just listen to me, not that we're just talking to make us look better and feel better about ourselves. We might not have so many tonight. Forgive me. But I'm just here to tell you that God wants me to emphasize His love. He recognized that the love of God in his life was more important than all the other things that he had been trusted in, this, this rabbi did, this Jewish man. I want to tell you, he was few and far between because most of them that way wasn't that way. To the Jew, nothing was more important than all these things that they do. To get to come to the Passover, do these things that they look forward to, just like some things we look forward to. There's nothing wrong with them unless we bring the love, don't bring the love of God into the picture. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter where. I know we're not under the law anymore. We're under grace and thank God for it. But it doesn't matter whether it's the law of grace, the core of God's salvation is love. Love is more important than anything we may possess or have. Love changes. You hear me kidding about it a lot of times, about getting saved at my in-law's house and how I hated my mother-in-law few weeks before I was going to give her what I thought she needed. But when Jesus saved me, I went in there and hugged her neck and told her I loved her. Why? Because I did. God changes us. He can change us in an instant of time. And I thank God for it. Hallelujah. Love is more important than any doctrine that we have today. Sometimes we're not careful. We'll get like the Hebrews. We'll, pour, we'll get more, uh, put more emphasis on the things than on Him. On things more than we do people. See, to love a neighbor, that includes our fellow man our brother and sister in Christ, our enemies. I don't have many enemies that I know. I have some that I don't know anything about. But isn't it amazing how quick a brother and sister can turn into an enemy over one conversation or one incident? If we love only those who love us, what good is it? Matthew 5, 43 and 48. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Well, that'd be good if we were still under that, wouldn't it? And we could really tell people off. 
but we're not under that. But I say unto you, who's talking here? Jesus, our Savior, the one who died for us. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you. Why? That you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans, these are the tax collectors that they hated so much. Do they not the same? And if you salute only your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the public and so? Now listen to what he says. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which in heaven is perfect. What's he talking about, being perfect? He's talking about being love. God is love. You may try to define him in a lot of ways, but you can only define him that God is love. For God so loved the world, this terrible, awful, stinking world. It gets worse every day, but I want to tell you it don't hinder the love of God one bit. I don't care how bad it may become. God will still love them and God will do whatever he can to save them and bring them to heaven. Some of the worst people that have ever walked this earth are walking the streets of gold today because of the love of God and because someone told them about the love of God. Here's what our problem is about love. We think love is, is just a feeling, how you feel. It's more than a feeling. I looked up, and I'm not going to go through with it, but there's about five different kinds of love in words. Our love is agape. It's God's love. His love for us. And our love for him and our love for each other. Love is more than just a feeling. In fact, it has very little to do with feeling. If you only love those that you feel good about, you really don't love them. You just feel good about them. If you love those that have mistreated you, that's real love. You don't only just love it, but you do good for it. We do good for evil. This is not my teachings. These are the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't get mad and go get in a corner somewhere and wish they were dead. Hello. We try to do those good things, and the best thing you can do for people is pray for them. And show them that you love them. 
See, love overrides the feeling of hate. It overrides the feeling of getting even with people. I was a terrible sinner, and that was one of the main things in my life before I got saved. If you bothered me, I was going to get even with you. And don't look at me strange because some of you were the very same way. It's not about getting even anymore. See, if God wanted to get even with this world, he would have destroyed it before you and I were ever born. He would have destroyed it in Noah's day. God's not about getting even. He's about showing his love. He sent his son to die. I've said it many times, none of us would do it. None of us. There's not enough money in the world that would cause me to kill one of my children or grandchildren or my great-grandchild. No, none. Why did God do that? Well, there had to be a reason he did it. The first reason was he loved the world and he wanted to save it. The second reason, it had to be a perfect sacrifice. One who knew no sin. But he couldn't be an angel. He couldn't even be the second person of the Godhead. He had to become a man that feel just like me and you feel about things. Yeah, Jesus got his feelings hurt. He never expressed them. But he did. Sure, Jesus was disappointed. Do you think he wasn't disappointed when he heard Peter for the third time deny he knew him and cursed and all the good things he had done for Peter? Did he ever bring it up? Boy, we would. You're going to have to get this straight before me and you get straight. Hello? But not Jesus. He loves. And when he come to Peter that last time, Peter went back to fishing. Jesus looked him up. Thank God for our God that loves us so much when we leave, he looks us up. And he brings us back. Peter, it's got something I want to talk to you about. I heard you three times denying me. That's not what he said, did he? Love us, thou me, Peter, more than these. I've heard a lot of people talk about what these are. These were the fish he was going back to. That's what he was talking about. It ain't no great thing we got to figure out. You love me more than you do these. He called Peter from fishing. Peter was going back to fishing. Peter, you love these more than you do me? Love us thou me? Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs. The second time. Peter, love us thou me? Didn't include the fish. 
Lovest thou me, period? Yea, Lord, thou knowest thy love you. Feed my sheep. The third time he said the same thing to him. Lovest thou me, Peter? Why did he say three times do you love? Because it's about love. It's not about us failing God. It's about loving God and getting ourselves back to the place that we love Him as we should love Him. Love affects all things. Love cuts to the very heart of our spiritual condition. I don't care how spiritual you think you are. I don't care how spiritual you act. I don't care how spiritual you talk. If you don't have love, it's meaningless. Love is a measure how close we are to God. Not our spiritual gifts. Not how much we pray. Not how much we do those things He tells us but really deep down in our heart, how much we love Him. That's what He looks at. Lovest thou me? I wonder what our true answer would be sometimes. See, our love not only determines our relationship with God, but it determines our relationship with each other. You can't get along with people unless you love them. Yeah, you can. I just stay away from them. Well, you're going to run into them in Walmart one day. Hello? Are you going to go to the same whatever they went to? The best way to handle it is love people. Forgive people and love them. And quit putting yourself above them. See, love is the motivator for our concern for the loss. You've heard me quote this, and I heard a great man quote it in 1964. I was a young preacher. He said, if you want to embarrass the congregation, ask them how many souls they won for the Lord this year. And if you want to embarrass them further, ask them how long has it been since they tried. I want to tell you something. This might come to a shock to you, but this pulpit is not the force of winning souls to Jesus Christ. You need to understand that. Each and every one of us have a responsibility to win others to Christ. The old song we used to say, Lord, saying, Lord, lay some soul upon my heart and win that soul through me. I don't know everybody you know. No preacher knows everybody you know. I don't know who you work with. I don't know who you live beside. But you do. Why are there empty pews? Because we don't love the loss as much as God loves the loss. And we don't put forth that effort to win them. It's tough. 
I find me another preacher, Brother Lamford, tells me how good I'm doing. I already told you how good you were doing. I just tell you, you lack one thing. And not of all of you lack one thing. There's some of you got love in your heart, love for people, and I thank God for it. When I was doing this sermon, I thought about, and I ain't going to call no names because I'll miss you, and then you'll be mad at me, and you won't love me no more. I know people in this church that I've known 30 years or so. Not one time have I ever seen them mad. Not one time have I ever heard them say anything negative about anybody. So there you go. It can be done. It can be done. Well, how am I going to do it? Get the love of God in you. Love people through God. When you get to seeing people as lost souls and knowing they're going to a devil's hell, I saw a little girl, yes, in Walmart. I couldn't figure out what she was. She don't know what she is because I'd seen her before. And I asked one of the girls that worked with her. She said, well, I went to school with her, but she don't think she's a girl. She thinks she's a boy. My heart went out yesterday when I saw her, and I said, God, how are we going to reach her? How are we going to reach her? No, she wouldn't have been a pretty girl. But she ain't a pretty boy either. It ain't the outside that counts, friend. It's the inside. That's the only thing. And I prayed for her, and I'm going to continue to pray for her. And I asked God to, to help me when I see her, how to approach her. A city offended is hard to win. But if I can reach her through the love of God turn her life around and let her know the Lord Jesus Christ. She'll once again in her life or maybe for the first time in her life will have peace. Peace. Peace comes from Jesus. The marriage cup or how much God is in our life is according to how much love we have in our hearts. 1 John 4, 16 says, For we have known and believed the love that God hath in us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. See, our biggest problem is we focus on all the things of God and fail to focus on the reality of God. And that he is love. The things he offers are wonderful. Salvation, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the power that goes with it, the wonderful services that he provides for us, they're all great. And they're necessary. 
But the only way we can have them in the truest way is through God's love. How many times do we pray for God to increase his love in us? How many times? Zero. Ian Bound said something one time. He was an old Methodist preacher. Got put into a, a prison, a Union prison. He was from the South, and he wouldn't make allegiance to the, to the North, and neither would he make allegiance to the South. He made allegiance to God, and they put him in prison. Big mistake by the devil. Because he started winning souls for Jesus. He wrote books on prayer, and one of them was Ian Bound said, nothing is done except through prayer. And I want to add something to that, if I might. Nothing is done except through prayer seasoned with love. If we pray because we think it's our duty, it goes back to the ceiling. But if we pray and ask God because we have the love of God in our heart, and we want to see God move in people's lives, and we want to see souls saved. And this is what it's about, people, not filling up the church house. It's about souls being saved. When we got here, there was 22 people. You've heard me say it 10 times, but I'm going to say it 11. And the church started growing. Most of the people sit right over there. One would sit over there, and one or two sit right there. Just enough to get my head going back. But God started adding to the church, and for long there was people there and people there and people there. And man, I was happy as I could be to see God's church grow. Then it was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, forty-five, forty-six, forty-seven, fifty, fifty-two, fifty-three. Then I heard a voice say, don't count. It's not about numbers. It's about souls. And I've never counted again. I know churches that's packed out. And probably those that's going to heaven, you could haul them off in a van. Hello? I'm not judging. I just know what they believe and how they think and how they do. It's not just filling this church up, but it's winning souls to Jesus Christ. If you want more power in our prayers, ask God to season it with love and compassion. See, love promotes compassion. When you're praying for somebody sick, we do that a lot. Do we do it because the Bible tells us to do it? Or do we do it because we love them? And we want to see them to be well, to move around and get around. I prayed for that person a hundred times. Well, if I tell you, do it 101 and do it with love. Of course, you're going to have to get some first. 
And it comes from God. It's not coming from this message. All a message does is make us aware of what we need. But there can be no compassion without love. Jews said, some having compassion makes a difference. Sometimes we don't make a difference because we don't have the love that gives us the compassion to pray for people to meet their needs. Don't feel bad. I'm on page 10. You wouldn't feel, you wouldn't feel good if I told you how many more I had to go. Troy gets on me all the time about my short sermons. So you just have to talk to him after the service. But talk in love. 2 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels, I have not charity. I don't have agape in my life. I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I could move mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestowed all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned and have not love, profit me nothing. No matter what we think we may be accomplishing, if we don't have love, there's no profit in it. No matter your talent, no matter your ability, no matter how good you can teach or preach or sing or play or whatever, you've got to have love with it. I'm not up here for show and neither do anybody else needs to be. Only person I want to show out in this pulpit is Jesus Christ. The one that loves us and cares for us. Let me tell you something. Our gifts, our talents, and our works, our ministries, seize them with love. Love has to be perfect. Love is balanced between how much we love ourselves and how much we love God and others. Now, if I was up here preaching on telling you to love yourself, I would be wasting my time. Because we have no problem in loving ourselves. And our problem is that sometimes that's all we love is ourselves. And we don't mind sharing our love for ourselves with people if we can get some attention by it. Wow. I just got that and that ain't in my notes. No, we have no problem in, in loving ourselves, but a problem is loving others as ourselves and loving God. Person who's in love with himself really can't ever love anybody but himself. You know, one of the greatest examples of love, and I've touched on this many times here, of God changing the heart of, of a person, and that was John the Beloved. Man, he was a tough guy when he started out with Jesus. He went to this town in Samaria, and he wanted to preach to them, and they said, no, we don't want you. Get out of here. 
He come out and met Jesus and said, Lord, they won't accept us. Shall we call fire down from heaven and burn them all up? That sounds tough, don't it? I wonder how many times we've done that. We might not call it fire from heaven, but we've called it destruction. God, you need to get them people out of the church. God, you need to get them people out of our lives. Come on. We're here to help. And when we learn that, we'll learn it through love. Well, after all, he had read where Elijah had called fire down from heaven. But I want to tell you, greater than Elijah was there. And his name was Jesus Christ. Elijah was the wrath of God. Jesus is the love of God. And that's what we have to offer today. But we find out that somewhere after the rebuke that Jesus gave him, it wasn't a harsh one. He just told him we're... We're not here to do those things. Somehow, somewhere, sometimes something happened in his Christian life. And I do think it started to rebuke the Lord. And I hope that the love of God will start in some of our hearts, and I'm including mine, in this service today. You know what his name was? The Son of Thunder. That's what, his, that's what he stood for. As in Greek, in Hebrew, he was the son of commotion, always causing a commotion. But I want to tell you, somewhere he allowed the love of God to come in his heart. And the night that Jesus said, one of you will betray me, and they all wondered who, He said, the one who loved Jesus and was leaning on his breath, he's sitting close to him. He loved to put his, put his shoulder over on Jesus, just like you do your grandchildren. Amen? Like you should your wife. Got two amens. Peter was looking at him, and Peter knew, and you read the scripture, he knew he was close to Jesus. Why was he close to Jesus? Because the love that he had for Jesus. You may think you can't get closer to him, but you can by loving him more and letting him, let the Holy Spirit shed abroad in our hearts that Holy Spirit. Let the love of God be shed abroad in our hearts by him. Peter, Peter said, John, asked him who? Why you ask him, Peter? Because Peter knew the ones that's closest to God is going to get the first and real answer. And John asked him. And we know that it fell on Judas. We know a lot of things Judas did, but I'll tell you what Judas' problem was. 
He loved money more than he loved God. Do we love anything more than we love God? If we do, we need to change it. I'm getting close. You're getting quiet. I want you to listen to this. I wrote this down. Talk promoted by the lack of love has destroyed more Christians and more churches than all the armies of hell. In fact, it's one of the devil's best weapons. You ought to be pastored a month, just a month. You don't hear all of it. I don't hear all of it, but I hear a lot of it. How it comes up. Man, <laughs> it's unreal. What do you do about it? Brother, I ignore it and pray about it. Hello? See, that's what the devil wants you to do a lot of times. He wants you to get something stirred, and he wants you to jump right in there. My mother always told me, the more you stir or stink, the worse it smells. Pretty good saying. I don't know exactly what she meant by the stink, but nevertheless, it's true. Sometimes when things happen between you and somebody else, if you just leave it alone, it'll go away. But you can't leave it alone unless you got the love of God in your heart. Why we don't leave it alone is because we love ourselves and somebody has offended us. There's a renemy for that. Jesus said, if you offend you, go to your brother. Oh, we go to him all right with a ball bat. Hello? What I'm trying to get across to you today is we need the love of God in our heart. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Matthew 6, 9 through 15, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those that sin against us. When interpretation says lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen and some of us wish he had stopped with that amen but he didn't he said for if you forgive men their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you forgive not men their trespasses neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Is that true? Is that a real statement? If we go around with grudges in our heart because somebody's offended us, let me tell you something. You offend God all the time, and so do I. We offend Him sometimes by not praying like we should pray. We offend Him sometimes because we're not helping people like we should help. We offend Him because we're not out there witnessing Heard people, well, I just can't talk. Well, you do a pretty good job when you're around me. <laughs> we can hunt our excuses all we want to, but I'm telling you the Holy Spirit will help us and give us the words to witness about Jesus Christ.
We can talk about President Trump, pro and con. Hello. And that last guy we had, we talked a lot about him, didn't we? Hmm? And the next one, we'll be talking about him, whoever he is. We'll either be singing his praise or putting them down. But there's one greater than all. He's the King of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. And why do we have a problem talking about him to other people? I don't know. All you need to do is make up your mind and do it. Put forth an effort. God will make a way. Last page. Now I got one more. The biggest attribute of love is forgiveness. Having the ability to forgive people it's the greatest sign that God has put love in our heart. Ain't no other way to forgive them. No other way. I'm just telling you, you can't come up with no idea. The only way you can truly forgive somebody is through the love of God. I'll go ahead and turn the page. Some of you are ready to go eat. I'm going to read you one scripture, and no sermon on love would be complete without it. I told you there's a lot of different words for love. Philia is a love in friendship. Agape is God's love for man. And God is love for God himself and man. He wrote this to the Pentecostals, what I'm going to read to you. Don't go around thinking because you're not you're Pentecostal, you're the only one going to heaven. That's not true. Sometimes we want to think we're so far ahead of everybody else. And we ain't got two ounces of love in our lives. I don't care if you get mad. Don't bother me a bit. I'm saying what God's laid on my heart to say today. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. Though I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not love, God's love, agape, I'm become a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophesy or prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith that I can remove mountains and have not love, I'm nothing. We might be something to man, but this is talking about how God sees us. And though I bestowed all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profit me nothing. Love suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not itself. Charity vaulteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Doth not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil. Rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. 
beareth all things, believeth all things. Sometimes you, some of you fulfill that real good. You believe everything you're told by somebody. You read that two Facebook? <laughs> My wife's got one of them. I don't. I know how you are. I don't need nobody to tell me. I pastor you. Amen. Believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity, love never fails. But where there be prophecies, they shall fail. And where there be tongues, they shall cease. And where there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is part shall be done away with. There's coming a day there will be no more need of prophecy, no more need of messages in tongues, no more need for the gifts of healing, no more need for faith. That day will be when we go through those pearly gates. But what will be needed is love to get in and through those pearly gates. When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man or a woman, I put away childish things. For now we know, excuse me, for now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part but then shall I know even as I am known. We read that like it's just, you know, reading a recipe or something, don't we? Hey, brother, when you get through those gates and get through, and the two get through them gates, you're going to be known as you are. Not how we present ourselves to people here on earth, but who we really are. Do we love everybody? like we like to think we do. I know it's hard when people do things against you. I know it's hard when they lie against you. I know it's hard on all these things, but they did it against Jesus. Who could have called 12 legions of angels would have equaled to 72,000 angels and shut their mouth? And brother, we would have called them. What could those angels have done? I don't know, but I read in the New Old Testament where one of them killed 168,000 Assyrians in one night. What could 72,000 have done? They could have destroyed this earth. But Jesus didn't call them. He let him lie. He let him talk against him. He let him beat his back. He let him spit in his face. He let him pluck their beard. He let him put a crown of thorns on their head, on his head. They took him down to the cross or took him up to the cross. They stripped him of his clothes and they hung him in shame. And all that time, he could have called 72 legions of angels. Why didn't he? Why didn't he do it? It had been justified with any man or anybody. 
But why didn't he do it? Because he loved us. And he loved this world. And he loved mankind. And on the cross, you know what he said? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. When you can forgive people without going through all the things that we go through to do it, then you know you got the love of God in your heart. Forgive them. That was Jesus. What about Stephen? Who they took and stoned to death. And while they were stoning him, what did he say? Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. I guess that's a sign for me to quit. Lay not this sin to their charge. They beat him, whipped him, they stoned him. And he said, God, don't don't charge him with this sin. Somebody says something against us sometimes. Here's our prayer. God, I want you to whip them so good or so bad. I want you to, I just want you to wake them up and let them realize they can't do that to me. Don't look at me strange. You know that we are that way in the natural. All of us are. That's why we've got to have the love of God in our hearts. Before we can forgive without being asked. That wonderful? It kind of puts a no care in your life. I don't care. I don't care what people say. Isn't that good? Well, wouldn't you be good if you just didn't care what people said about you? That'd be wonderful. I kind of have that. Not all the time, but I got some of it. Pastor has to have it. They'd be taking him out to the tomb or he'd be sending somebody else to one. God is love. Let's don't forget it. Stand with me if you will.